Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Man, every time that ends, I just want to wrestle somebody. I love that song. My name is Joel, and I get to be the pastor here. Welcome to Three Creeks. If, uh, if I didn't get a chance to say hi to you in the hallway yet, I hope to on your way out. Thanks for being here. Um, I hope that in uh, maybe in 30, 40 minutes after I get to teach a little bit from the Bible and we sing another song, that you'll leave here feeling challenged and feeling encouraged and feeling refreshed and that you'll say, I'm glad. I'm glad that I went and spent time with the Lord today. Uh, I mean, as Mackenzie was sharing about the EL classes, the one thing that stuck out to me the most was that I have this opportunity to purge our kids' playroom. My family has the spiritual gift of accumulation, and we have so many toys and so many books, and I am going to have to put half of them away from now on after I bring so many of them. Uh, but all joking aside, I am so, so excited that that is back on, and I hope that you'll jump in and we'll be the church that we say we want to be, that we serve our city in a way that if we, miss, if we left, that they would miss us. Week five, Moses, one of the heroes of the Bible. Even if you haven't spent time in church, you've probably heard about Moses. You've probably heard that he split the Red Sea, or you've heard about the Ten Commandments or the Ten Plagues. Today, what I want to talk to you about is this. And I'm curious as to what, uh, what you call this. There's a couple different words or terms that we use to associate this. A lot of us call it communion. Some of us either now or certainly may have grown up calling it the Eucharist or the bread and cup or the Lord's Supper. And the two questions I have is, what does it mean? What does it mean for you when you take it? And then Maybe the question that I want to dive into a little bit today is, where did it come from and where did it start? And if you say the Last Supper, where Jesus was sitting around with his disciples and he said, take this bread and take this wine and pass it, and this is me given for you, you're half right, you're right, but I want to take you further back. I want to rewind even 1,400 years before that. When something happens in Exodus chapter 11, that we find the roots of this. And this right here, it's one of the things that we do as a church family, and it might be the most important thing we do as a church family. This, when we remember what Jesus did for us. So, with that said, will you turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Exodus chapter 5, And if you don't have them, then we'll throw the words on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible at all, we've got a table of them back there. And on your way out today, grab it, write your name in it with a Sharpie because it's yours forever. Exodus chapter 5. This message, I think today is, it leans more towards the theological side. And I just personally tend to like practical advice. Off more than that, but, but this is so important, and I hope that you'll stick with me for 25 minutes and, and let me show you this beautiful picture of how this came to be and why it's so important for us 3,400 years later. So in Exodus chapter 5, allow me to set the stage for you for 30 seconds before I start reading it. 
Moses is an Israelite, and he's 83 years old. And up until this point in his life, he has lived 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in Midian. He's now 83 years old, and he has come back to Egypt where his people have been slaves for 400 years. And God, through a burning bush and an intense conversation with Moses, calls him and says, I want you to go lead my people out of slavery. I want you to go and rescue them. Be the savior for my people. And Moses says, I can't do it. And so God gives him a teammate, his older brother, Aaron. And so Moses and Aaron are going to be this this tag team duo. They're going to go confront Pharaoh and say, let my people go. So Exodus 5 verse 1 says this, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness and pay close attention to what Pharaoh says in response. He says, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? It's a pretty intense question. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? It's a pretty modern question. It's a question that I ask. It's a question that you ask. It's the question certainly that our culture is asking. Who is the Lord that we should obey him? These people at this time, they're living in a culture where the concept of God is is widely accepted. And so it is not offensive to Pharaoh that Aaron and Moses walked in and said, this is what the Lord says. That's not offensive to Pharaoh. He's okay with them having a God. In fact, in Egypt, they had 1,400 of them. And so they're, they're okay with the concept of God. And so are we. And so is our country for the most part. Only 3.1% of people in our country claim to be atheists. So 97% of people are okay with the fact that there is a God. Even the people, I mean, the, the atheists, they, they, they are loud, but they're not very many. Most people are okay with this concept of God. And even you find somebody who doesn't go to church or doesn't say that they're a Christian or doesn't do the Christian church things, they're still okay if you pray for them. And if they go through something hard in their lives, they're okay if you pray for My point is that culturally, we're okay with the idea of God, but what we're not okay with is when this God starts to impose on our freedoms and starts telling us how we, need, we should live our lives. The minute that there begins to be a way to follow or something to obey, we go, whoa, 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 don't impede on my freedoms. And when we do that, when we have that reaction to something that we read or something that we know that God says, we are essentially saying the same thing as Pharaoh. When Pharaoh says it, who's the Lord that I should obey him? It it just reeks of arrogance. And we go, can you believe that he would say that? But really, if you look at my life and you look at our lives, by the way that we live, sometimes we're asking that question. If we read what God says in here, and we treat it as optional, or we treat it as, vi- as advice that we can take or not take. It's kind of up to us. We're essentially asking that question. Who is the Lord that, he should, that we need to obey him? When we pick and choose the things that we want to do, that's us asking the same question. And it, it reeks of the same kind of arrogance that we see 
in Pharaoh. And, and Pharaoh, he, he just verbalizes the question. We, we wouldn't dare do that. But he verbalizes the question and says, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And then God answers him 10 times. God essentially says, you want to know who I am? I will display my justice and I will display my power 10 different times. Watch me. You ask the question, I will give you an answer. And God sends 10 plagues to answer Pharaoh's question. And interestingly enough, all 10 plagues that God sends is a response to one of these 1,400 gods that Egypt has. There's a god of the Nile called, it's H-A-P-Y, happy. And God, the first plague, turns the Nile into blood. There's a god in Egypt called Heket. He has the head of a frog. And I don't know if God thought this would be funny, but he sends millions of frogs to be in their beds, to be on their heads, to be in their ovens, and to pile up all over Egypt, and it stunk. And there was a God named Heket. It's a response. It's God saying, you think your God can hold a candle to what I can do? There was a God named Ra, R-A, an Egyptian God of the sun. And so, the, and so God wants to prove that these Egyptian gods aren't even real. And so God turns the whole land dark and doesn't let the sun shine. And when he sends the gnats and when he sends the boils and when he, when he kills the livestock and when he sends the hail, they're all responses to these Egyptian gods where God is saying, who is the Lord that you should obey him? I'm in charge. And you'll notice that when Pharaoh, every time when Moses goes back to him and says, let my people go, and Pharaoh's hard heart says, no, in my pride, I will resist. I will not let some deity dictate me. I will not obey. I'm not going to listen. You'll notice that it never turns out good for him. It just gets worse. And he brings pain upon himself and the people around him. And, and this, the same thing happens with us when we resist and go, no, I'm not going to let anybody else tell me how to live my life. What happens over time is that this brings pain into our lives and the people around us. And the 10th plague was, was the worst one. And it's the final one, and it was called the plague of the firstborn. And this is what God told Moses in Exodus 11. And I want to read you a longer passage than I typically do because I want you to know that I'm not making it up. In Exodus 11, verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Moses, I'm going to bring one more plague on Pharaoh and Egypt. About midnight, I'm going to go through Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. And then, pay attention to this part. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. 
this isn't going to get a round of applause from you, but that doesn't make, make me make it any less true. God is about to bring some unfathomable pain into the lives of people. And at the same time, he's going to spare some people from that unfathomable pain. You will see that the Lord makes a distinction. So he's going to draw a line. There's going to be a group of people that are not going to follow him or believe in him or, or believe that he is God. And there's going to be unfathomable pain that is going to enter their lives. And then there's going to be another group of people that choose to obey him and choose to say, I will follow. I will listen. You are God. And to those people, he's going to spare this judgment that he's bringing upon Egypt. So how's he going to do it? How's he going to figure out who's who? How's he going to figure out who this group is and who this group is? There's nobody in the middle. There's going to be a distinction. There's going to be a line. This is what he says in Exodus 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And if any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You're determined the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats and take care of them until the 14th day of the month. So for four days, from the 10th day of Nisan to the 14th day of Nisan, take care of them when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight or at dusk. And then they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And that same night, they're to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. See, if you were zoning out, you just came back in when I said internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left, you must burn it. This is how you're to eat it. With your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, ready to roll. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, on that same night, this is God telling Moses and Aaron this, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Pharaoh had a question. I'm giving him the answer. I'm the Lord. And the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So, so God gets Moses and Aaron, and he says, this is what's going to happen. 
and he gives a lot of instructions. And Moses and Aaron are like, this is, this is a big deal. This, this is the 10th and final plague. This is, this is a big deal. And so Moses, look what he does in verse 21. He summons all the elders of Israel. And he says to him, go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop. Hyssop is this plant that they would use to almost like a brush. Take a bunch of it and dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. So picture a doorframe with, with, with a top, there's a, a board, and down each side there's another board, and they would take this hyssop and they would dip it in the blood and they would put some on this side and this side and over top of it. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until the morning. And when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe. And will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. This is the last thing he says. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. Don't forget this happened. And when your children ask you, when your kids come up to you and say, Mom and Dad, why are we doing this? What does this ceremony mean to you? Tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. That, that's a longer passage than we typically read. So there's a lot to handle here. There's, there's some lambs. They're supposed to pick one without defect. There was a mention of internal organs. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of door frames and there's a lot going on. And so let me just kind of summarize this whole Exodus 11 and 12 for you. God is one final time going to prove his power and he's going to punish pride and evil and those that say, who are you, God? He's going to send a 10th plague, but he provides a way out from under it. And so this plague is coming, and so God is just, and he is righteous, and he is powerful, and he can, but he's also really kind. He provides a way out from under it. And the way to get out from under it is to find a lamb, an unblemished one, and to kill it, and to put the blood on the doorposts. And then they're supposed to eat the lamb in a pretty specific way. And at midnight, God is going to come through Egypt and exercise judgment, and he's going to pass over the houses that have blood on the top and the sides, and he will not permit the destroyer to come in. He will not permit the destroyer to enter the houses and strike you down. And this happens. If you keep reading, it happens. The firstborn of every Egyptian dies, and the Lord shows kindness to those who believe him. And if you read, if you paid attention to the end of when God was speaking to Moses and when Moses was speaking to the people, at the end of both of those sections, it was really important to God and therefore really important to Moses that they observe this ceremony, that they do not forget about this. 
when their kids ask, Mom, Dad, why are we doing this ceremony? Why are we eating this lamb this way? I don't like the bitter herbs, the kids say. And they say, we're doing this because the Lord passed over us when he exercised judgment on Egypt. This turns into, as you can imagine, the Passover, which is the biggest holiday on the Jewish calendar. So, on the 10th day of Nisan, the first Jewish month of the year, the Israelites began to celebrate Passover. And they did it for 1,400 years. And really, they've been doing it for 3,400 years. If someone is, if you're in Israel on the 10th day of Nisan, there is a Thanksgiving plus Christmas plus Easter party going on. I mean, it is a feast. And it is still to remember the night that God passed over their houses and spared them as he struck down the evil Egyptian empire. So the question is, remember when I started with this? It's like, how do we get to parties in Israel when we started with this? Well, so this has its roots in the Passover. Because if you, obviously the first Passover was in about 1400 BC. That's when the 10th plague came. 1400 years later, Jesus is on the earth. And for the first 33 years of Jesus's life, he never missed a Passover. He never missed it. It was the holiday that you can't miss. Everybody celebrates Passover. Thousands, maybe millions of people would come to the capital city and celebrate Passover. It was the holiday of the year. And so for 33 years, Jesus celebrates this with his friends, with his family. And then at the end of his life, right before he's about to die, he gets together with his 12 key men, his 12 disciples. And look what he says in Luke 22. When the hour came... This is right when they're about to have the last supper together. Jesus is going to die the next day. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And the disciples, this is what they expect. This is what they've lived with for their whole lives. They're probably in their mid-20s by this point. And so for 20-some years, they're sitting around this table, and Passover, it just goes a certain way. There's one person who's kind of the master of ceremonies who emcees the meal, and there's 15 different steps. There's a blessing over the wine. There's a, there's a time where they eat the bitter herbs. They sing psalms of praise. There's a time where they have a ritual washing of hands. All 15 of them have been done in order for every Passover meal they've ever been at. And Jesus, true to form, he shakes it up a little bit. He says, we're going to do things a little different tonight. And the people, I imagine the disciples, they're a little, they're a little stressed out about that. You know what I'm saying? It's like the first time you went to Christmas at your in-law's house. Like, we don't do it. Like, you're trying to open up presents on Christmas Eve? Like, there's, there's got to be a Bible verse that says that's a sin. Like, this is not, this is stressing me out. It, it, it really would have rattled him, honestly. And Jesus, rather than going through the 15-step Passover dinner, this is how we do it, he says, pass this thing around. Take it. This is my body being given for you. And he takes this and he passes it around. He says, take a sip. This is my blood 
given for you. And then he says a couple different times, do this in remembrance of me. See, they were having Passover to remember the Passover. And Jesus ratifies the ordinance. And he says, rather than remembering the blood from that lamb, I want you to remember this moment right here, that this is my blood. And do this in remembrance of me. Paul, when he was writing about Jesus and about the Passover, he actually gives Jesus a nickname. And there's a lot of places in the New Testament where you can find this nickname about Jesus. But I think Paul makes it the most clear. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, he says, For Christ, for Jesus, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. And so what started 1,400 years earlier Jesus doesn't replace it. He fulfills it and ratifies it and makes it apply to us if we're not Jewish. He says to everyone, you don't have to remember the blood of that lamb. You guys don't have to have a lamb for four days in your house and kill it and put the blood on your doorpost because God, God, listen, God is coming again. And he hasn't changed. He's still just, and he's still going to bring judgment upon the world, and he's going to punish evil. It's still coming. Not a popular idea. Still true. But we don't have to do that. Jesus, in taking this and taking this, was essentially saying, listen, you don't have to spread the blood of a lamb on your doorposts. Now I want you to remember my blood, that I am the sacrifice for you. He's saying the first Passover brought physical freedom from Egypt, but what I'm doing right now is offering you spiritual freedom from sin and death and eternal destruction. And just like God passed over those who believed in him in that moment and did what he said, when God comes again, he will pass over the people who put their faith in Jesus. I want to say something that might take you a minute to digest. But true believers are not just saved by God, but from God. True believers are not just saved by God. They are saved by God, but they're also saved from God because God hates sin. He hates it. Wrath boils up. Judgment is coming. He can't handle it. He would be not true to who he is and how holy he is if he was able to just simply overlook it and say it doesn't matter. God is just and he is God. And he cannot overlook sin and he is, he's just and he, he will bring judgment upon the earth and upon us. He's just, but he's also kind and he's full of grace. And in the same way, that 1400 years BC, he said, this is how you get out from under it. You trust in the blood of this lamb. He's saying the same thing. He's going, listen, the way out from underneath the judgment of God, the kindness of God that is given to you is that you get to trust in the blood of this lamb, of Jesus, the sacrifice, the Passover lamb. That's his name. 
And so 1,400 years later, the disciples' minds are just going, no way. Jesus, God, is now making a way to him through Jesus for every person that walks on the earth. And it's through faith in Jesus. And just like God, when he brought judgment upon Israel, he will do the same when he brings judgment upon us. Remember this line earlier? It said that he will make a distinction. He's going to make a distinction. He's going to draw a line. And here it is. Here is the distinction that is now and that is coming. And I, as I wrote this, I had to just pray extra hard that you would give me a lot of grace because I'm not excited to say this, but I have to say it because I love this church. There are those, this is the distinction. There are those who will say with their lives, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And there are those who will say with their lives, he is the Lord and I will obey him. And there really isn't a middle ground either in or you're not there's not you can't be both you can't be neither the Lord will make a distinction there are those that are going to say with their lives who is the Lord that I should obey him you're going to hear what God says and you're going to go not my cup of tea and then there are those that are going to come over here and say it isn't easy and I'm not acing it but he is the Lord And I want to obey him. I want to give my life to him. If your life would have the characteristic of you hear the way that God wants you to forgive somebody or you hear the way that God wants you to give to somebody or you hear the way that God wants you to serve somebody and you go, not for me then you're essentially saying, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And on the other side, if you're living in a way that you go, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this off, but by the grace of God, I'm going to give it a shot because he is the Lord and I want to obey him. And I would venture to say that if you're in here and if you're honest with yourself and you identify with that first group I'm okay with God, but I'm not okay with God telling me how to live my life. If that's the camp that you would put yourself in, I believe that in God's great kindness to you, that you're here today and that time hasn't run out on your life and there's still time to turn to Jesus. The only difference between this group and this group is that this person over here has acknowledged that Jesus is who he says he is. And they have put their faith in him and what he has done. And so in his great kindness, somehow you wandered your way into a middle school auditorium and you're hearing that there's going to be judgment and there's going to be distinction. And I just want to ask you to consider your life and where you're heading. And I want to ask if you want to put your faith in the Passover lamb that died for you. Because God's not messing around. 
He's really kind, but he's really just. He's not changing. And so if that's you and you want to ask a question, if you want to pray with somebody, if you want to decide to follow Jesus, if any of those apply to you, in a minute, we're going to have a prayer team that'll be in the back on that wall. And we would love to have you ask a question or ask for prayer. That's why we're here. On the other side, if you go, I'm not acing it, but I know he's the Lord. I'm all in with Jesus. Then this turns into really, I wrote down, it's supposed to be a party in your heart. It's supposed to be a celebration of what God has done for us. I have said this before, but I should say it again. I do not want to be a church where we take communion with our tails between our legs. I did that long enough. Ah, oh, messed up again. I probably don't deserve this. You don't deserve it. There's no question that we don't deserve this, but we get it anyways. And so this is supposed to feel like a celebration in your heart. And so rather than having your tail between your legs, you actually get to have your hands in the air praising God that he saved you. And so perfect timing. We have communion here this morning. We've got a table there, table there, gluten-free option in the back. Here's kind of the way it's going to go. Uh, the band's going to just play some music for a few minutes and give everybody time to go and take communion. If, if you're not a Christian, then I'm asking you to refrain from that part and just sit there and think about your life and where it's heading and whether or not you want to give you, really, it, it has no significance for you if you don't believe in Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It really, it's just bread and juice if you don't believe in Jesus. And so I'm just asking you to consider where your life's at, where you're going. Our prayer team is available in the back and would love to talk with you and answer any questions. And if you are a Christian, then boom, we get to do this. It's a party in here. And when we sing this last song, it's, it's a celebration of what God has done for us. We're going to hail King Jesus, the Passover land that was sacrificed for us. Man, that is good news. Let me pray for us. God, as we take communion, we're not taking it lightly. We're not taking it flippantly. We're not taking it just because it's here. And it's just because what we do, we're stopping to acknowledge that you passed over those that believed in the blood of that lamb and you will pass over us when you bring judgment you will pass over us because we believe in you and so when we take this bread and when we take this cup we're doing it because we trust in you and not ourselves for the person in here who's thinking about things who's having a hard time answering which side they're on. I pray, God, that you would give them clarity. And I pray ultimately that you would give them humility. That they would be honest about where they're at. And if you want to bring somebody into your family this morning, I pray you would do it. I pray you would give that person the courage to stand up, to talk to somebody, and to give their heart to you. Passover lamb. In Jesus' name. Amen. So when you're ready,
Table there, table there, table in the back. Take a few minutes. Let's take communion. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com. Thank you.